Hello and welcome to another episode of Borderlandia. I am your host, as always, Kevin Laredo. And Valerie Gonzalez. And today we have our special guest. Do you go by Gustav or is it just something else I should be using? Oh, uh, well, uh, my name is Gustavo Stebner. Some people call me Stebner. Some people call me Goose. Goose is my favorite. We'll go with Goose. Goose is my street name. <laughs> just a silly goose. Exactly. <laughs> Gus is like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we have Goose on the on the podcast today. Uh, very impromptu in terms of damn. I feel like I always say impromptu for most episodes because they do happen on the spot sometimes. Yeah. That's but how you know it's an organic kind of podcast. Yeah, but True. tonight it's an impromptu three, <laughs> <laughs> and it's great to to have you. Um, we already kind of spoke um, here and there, talking about how you were kind of here until just until you were 12. Right. And then you like kind of left and then you're kind of back here and there. Well, now you're kind of traveling all over Texas. Just <laughs> exactly. So like up. a born semi raised Laredo one. So, yeah, it was one of those things. Like I was born in Mexico city and I lived like there for a little while and then bounced around like Chicago, Houston. And then one day we stopped in here, Laredo, and then we just never left. <laughs> Damn. And then I was in Mary Help. I went to school at Mary Help. Okay. And I got kicked out of that school. Very proud <laughs> moment of that. Lifetime achievement there. Did you like light a car on fire? <laughs> what the fuck? No, you know, it was, um, it was, I wasn't like a real hooligan, but I had a potential for being a hooligan. Okay. Like the coming attractions of a hooligan. The pipeline of exactly. a hooligan. And the monkeys were like, oh no, this kid is a troublemaker. Here's a military school we recommend. Oh, no, sister. Uh, superior, sister, sister superior. Snatch. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> Drop the sound bite. And then, right. uh, <laughs> and then uh, next thing you know, the like life that I had as a child here in Laredo was over. And that was the last time I lived with my family officially because mm-hmm. I got sent off to military school and... You know, it was one of those things where like, oh, you'll come back. And I never did. <laughs> you'll come back reformed. Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And what was that like? You know, at first it was, um, I would say it was one of the hardest things I've ever experienced in my life. But it was also one of the best things ever that ever happened wow. to me. Because like growing up in Laredo as a little boy, like I, I feel that being a little boy in Laredo was actually really fun for me because I got to, like I had a really good education. I had really good friends. I got to play a lot of sports and I just really was able to have a really good community here. And then all of a sudden it was like, yo, you're thrown into a military school. It's a boarding school with a military program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up in Laredo, the population here is predominantly Catholic, Mexican. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Spanglish mm-hmm. and like moving to a military school where you had other hooligans from around the world. I became a real lot like real full on hooligan there. But it was a <laughs> bit of a culture clash because I assume so. Yeah. Where was the military school at? San Marcos, Texas. San okay, Marcus, Texas. shout out, yeah. Bobcats. 78666. Representing the house. Scary. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, there are a lot of boarding schools um, in that area. I had a friend growing up who also, I think it was in 
middle school, they went off to boarding school and then they came back for freshman year and then went back because I think maybe they couldn't reassimilate to public school. Well, I never went to public school in my life. <laughs> I was so jealous of the kids from United. From uh, We're built different. Like I was so <laughs> jealous of the kids from Nye Elementary. Because we were playing the parking lot, dodgeball, and like we were wearing uniforms all the time. Yeah. But the kids across the street, they didn't have to wear uniforms. They were in civilian clothes. And it was really interesting because yeah, I, what never, a I never had that opportunity to go to public school. I mean, fucking... In like 19, no, not 19, maybe 2005 or 2006, that whole thing changed. Mm. That's when they they gave uniforms to everyone here. Really? I don't know about I like. I want to say it might have been 09. That was my last, my senior year. Mm-hmm. I'm aging myself. Um, <laughs> do the math. <laughs> but then I think after that, or that year, 09, it was enforced that we had dress code. Ooh, which isn't okay. as much of a, you know. It's not the same as having a uniform, but mm-hmm. it starts becoming that where you limit your creativity and your fashion and just kind of line up everybody to this standard. Right. But well, the whole excuse, it was fucking garbage. It was like, you're wearing gang paraphernalia. And it was like oh Ed Hardy fucking graphic oh, t-shirts. Man, you can't do that. <laughs> I, I thought they were going to do it like, hey, we want everybody to be... <laughs> United, we want people to feel There's equalized. There's no class system here. Right. No, yeah, 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 this is all thanks at Hardy. That's also like that's just the fucking propaganda they were throwing inside the schools, right. but outside of it to tell the parents to give a good reason and why they were able to like sign off on it right. was because of gang culture. And this is like around the time where like uh fucking I think it's don't, right? Is that the fucking drug one? Oh, dare? something like dare, dare, dare. dare, dare. How dare that, you? that was still- don't do drugs. Dare. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. Uh, but yeah, that was just still for some reason, at least in my middle school and my high school, it was still popping off. We would get randos from that program to come up and do their fucking dance number still. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Why are you guys here, bro? Like, like I you're making me want to get fucking high. And just numb myself from watching this bullshit. Right, right now. exactly. It was it was gnarly, but um, but yeah. So in terms of the uh, military school you went to, like, did you go in terms of until you were like in middle school and just like yeah? How does that afterwards? work? I, from, we're not familiar with the whole boarding school um, curriculum. So like, what would that look like your day to day? Yeah. So How do you graduate. It was actually really interesting because it was like being in jail. <laughs> Because that terrifying. Yeah. I mean, for being like a 12-year-old to then yeah. leaving yeah. your mom, leaving your... I would be just so a wreck. I would be a wreck. Like, I would say, <laughs> like, <Christ. laughs> emotion, like, oh, man. Like, if anybody who's listening has children, do not send your kids <gasps> to military school if you actually want to have a relationship with your children when yeah. they grow up, right? So for me, what it actually did is that it severed the emotional and psychological interactions between me and my family. Okay. Right off the bat. Like it was one of those things where I was emotionally displaced and put into a different environment. And this environment was sort of like being in, it was, it was co-ed. So thank God, (laughs) (laughs) but it was really like, you have to uh, fortify yourself emotionally and psychologically on the fly as Mm -hmm. you're a teenager developing your cognitive process with these racial undertones, right? I'm this little Mexican kid, not too tall, right? And there's all these Aww. 
Like tall white guys like looking at you like, oh, you're a brown kid from the border. I didn't even think about that right now, to be Your honest. Your name is what? The microaggressions? Yeah. Oh my God. And I didn't even know about it at the time, right? It was just like, and they were like, your name is Gustav. We can't pronounce it. We're just going to call you Gus. And, you know, like <laughs> at the time, it was one of those things oh, where I was gosh. like, Oh, yeah, that's cool. I'll assimilate. You can call me Gus. That's fine. Yeah, but you're telling me, like, it's Gustavo, But bitch. I didn't know, I didn't even know how the word assimilation existed. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? But then the trippy part for me, I'm a kid from Mexico City originally. Right? I was here in Laredo, like, at two, from two to 12, like, 10 years. But also at this military school is these other Mexicans sure. from Mexico. Right? Monterrey. Money, 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 right? Yeah. So when they're there, they looked at you like, oh, tú eres pocho. Oh, oh shit. You know? oh. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, how is this? <laughs> I'm experiencing more racism in my face from other Mexicans. Yeah. And I didn't know why. I didn't understand the concept of ni de aquí ni de allá at 12 right, years old. Yeah. Right, right. So here I was trying to understand what was really happening in this environment and how would I not get beat up? (laughs) How would I get accepted? But thank goodness that I played sports because the athletics programs were so good that all my best friends became the black kids. They're like, hey, we know how you feel. Why don't you come over here with us? That's a lot of pressure. I was so nervous. That's a lot to deal with at that age. Yeah. Yeah. So many choices, so many decisions, and to become the person you are today. Yeah, and that was just a subcultural experience. Then we got into, like, the athletics part, which was, like, the most fun part. That was actually, like, I was able to shine in athletics and do really well because at the time I was really athletic. Mm-hmm. And then in the military program, I was also able to ex- excel there because, like, I got a Mexican mom, so I already was <laughs> used to authority. <laughs> But I was defiant by nature and I had a lot of problems like halfway through. And eventually I was like, oh, if I have a problem with authority, then uh, there's only one solution is to become the person who, with authority. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually I, I did really well in the, in the military program as well. And so the day to days were you get up, clean room, march to wow. breakfast, march back, and then you go to class. And then if you are in athletics, you go do all your sports stuff. Uh-huh. And then at the end of the night, you go to dinner on your own. You don't have to march for dinner. And then on Sundays and Wednesdays, there is church. Because <laughs> it was also a Baptist program, yeah, right? So I would like, figure there was something. Like, oh my gosh, all twist, these yeah. things intertwine. Yeah, like, so I'm like kind of like this like, I'm like this little Jewish kid. Like, what? I don't get it. Little Catholic kid. Like, I don't get it either. Like, <laughs> you know, Baptist, like, mm. People start speaking in tongues and shit. Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm like, when are we going to read from the Torah? Like, <laughs> when do I eat the... Yeah, when the galleta, the wafer, right? The wafer. No, not the rosca. <laughs> Delete. Delete. Oh, no, we're keeping that right <laughs> there, dude. <laughs> the wafer? The wafer. No. The, the, the flesh what? of Christ? The Jesus no, skin. No, see, but what is it called? The scab. No, I'm going to have to know. The scab. Not the scab. No. That's that's describing basically mana. That's all it is. <laughs> Which is just literally 
Un- unseasoned bread. That's all. We used to do that, by the way. Little Not side the slander, note. don't start. What do you mean? No, 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 no. I, I used to do that. Like there was a little church group I was a part of here locally. Well, way down south uh, before I moved to Central Laredo. We will basically do that. We will do church service Saturday night. So we can have our mornings to pray at home or something around the lines like that. Some, something like that. And basically we would hang out with the priests and do the readings. But we would literally make like the bread. We wouldn't use the wafers. We would literally make a bread. And they would have like that engraving of what it would be at that time. Or at least how it was depicted like on the on the Bible or whatever the fuck. And it was nasty, bro. Like that bread tasted <laughs> like just that was Lamb. donation bread. Yeah, like you <laughs> you were waiting for the wine to come by to like wash that shit down. Like wow, was, they would at least give you wine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like from like that this basically. But still. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, and I was like in middle school when I started that. Damn. And they would literally just like teach me all that shit, and then I that's how I learned how to play guitar too, out of like just to be not bored there. <laughs> I was like, I might as well learn and look cool in, in school, knowing that I can play like a few chords here and there. So something good came out of it. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It gave you some edge. It, got, it, right. became, it made you become a musician. <clears throat> yeah. I would just be like, yeah, I fucking Amen. self-taught myself. <laughs> but yeah. But in terms of the, the military stuff that you got there, how far, because you said that you never went back. Did you literally just from like 12-ish... All the yeah, way until you so, were 18. So many questions. Yeah. Going back to the curriculum too, before I forget this, um, is the end goal for them to militarize these students through education? Like is the end goal for them to be like, I enlist after this for Absolutely. whatever. Real shit. At, the, at least at the time, because okay. at the time, like when I got there, Operation Desert Storm was in full force. Oh my goodness. Right? So that was like, Serve your country. Yeah, like George Bush was talking about New World Order on television. You know, (laughs) weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, the Papa, Papa Bush, right? And so, yeah, Operation Desert Storm, right? Nineteen ninety. So when that's when I got there, so I was already like on the path to join the army because they would have West Point come in, do recruitment days. They would have. They would actually do this thing called leadership school, where if you excelled in the military program during the year, you got invited to leadership school. And leadership school was basically an invitation to go to a real live military training facility for two weeks. Uh, It's like incentivizing it. And do boot camp for two weeks and learn how to do land navigation, learn how to actually like survive through gas tier chambers and learn to like feed yourself and stay out in the wilderness. fucking wild. And it's designed to... Like you said, militarize the minds of these students to have them enroll into military universities, Air Force Academy, oh West Point, all the branches. It wasn't really like, oh, go to war now. It was like, hey, we want to build, we want to make part you of officers. This, yeah. Because it was so Baptist and education driven that it was like, hey, we don't want you to on the front lines. We want you like to be president <laughs> and we want you to be like calling the shots. Like the politicians, exactly. chair oh force, goodness. all these other safe. But That's so predatory because a lot of these kids, like you said, there's that somewhat a strange relationship that 
develops with the parents and the family because they were sent there. So you almost kind of feel like, well, if I don't do this, then where am I headed after this? You know, that's just kind of like a normal thought I think mm-hmm. anybody could have. Exactly. Because they reinforce like, and then at the time you have like all these like missions, like Kuwait's on fire and you're yeah. like, yeah, oh my God, like, you know, and you're being brainwashed in my opinion Definitely. That this is an opportunity for you to... To better yourself in to, your life. Exactly. Oof, but geez. I said no to all that real quick. I was like, yeah, no, I don't need to go to West Point. Like, <laughs> They're I good. I can barely... Like, I'm short. <laughs> I can barely survive the obstacle they courses. They got this. <laughs> like, I was, like, under five foot at the time. I was 12. Like, I was, like, five... I was, like, four, ten or something. I was like, there's no way I will survive in Iraq. <laughs> You kidding me? Like I'll probably survive because I look like Iraqis, but I, I was about to say not. that because if I was you going just blend there, in, you're like, all right, they're going to full costume here. Exactly. They'll be character. like, you know. But no, I dipped out of the whole military thing early. I was like, that's not for me. Like sports was like the thing for me. And mm-hmm. luckily, like during the time, the nineteen ninety four World Cup was about to happen and for me, like playing professional football, well, they call it soccer here, right? But <laughs> football was the thing to do, and especially in 94 when you had like all these new situations happening mm-hmm. with with that sport here. Like then like MLS happened. And so that's the path that I had chosen. But then in my senior year in high school, I was injured really badly, broke a lot of bones, and Yikes. it was really intense. And I played college soccer eventually, but it wasn't the same as like, it wasn't the same as high school. Right. <laughs> and I figured like professional sports, like, eh, I'm short. <laughs> I could barely survive the high school soccer. Like, I don't know if I'll make it professional. At least I didn't think I could. Right. So. I mean, there's always, there's always an out somewhere. Exactly. Right. So if it's, if it wasn't going to be sports, you know. You can always dabble in something else. That's how I kind of felt like when I was in high school because I went for the the magnet school for business and oh. advanced technology. And they basically, I did like basically half and half. So my freshman and, and sophomore year, I did advanced technology, learn about IP addresses and all this shit, like just routing fucking connections and all that crap. And then that was boring. That was very fr- frustrating because the teacher was like, both of them were fucking dumbasses. And I was, because they wouldn't do shit, bro. They would, like, read the PowerPoint verbatim. Be like, you guys understand this, right? And me, being the person who likes to ask questions, like, no, actually, can you, like, explain this again? They're like, just read your book, bro. And I'm just like, for real? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Stop asking questions. Yeah. It's like, all right, we're going to do our, like, simulation shit. Like, get on your computer. And I was just there, like, struggling. Like, oh, no. Ah. But then the other half. Junior year and senior year was better, better, way fucking better. Fucking got into business classes, learned about taxes a little bit. So like I knew what to do going into like the workforce a little bit more. So and all this other shit. And they just taught me about branding and all that crap. So that was at least a small taste of like what I kind of wanted to do a little bit in terms of like in the arts. Because I've always been like a fan of like just doing shit like that creatively. And that's that's why I kind of uh, was kind of ask you because you do like not only your podcast stuff, but you're obviously over there, you know, not in Texas, but over there in California doing your thing. Uh, so what kind of like led you from being in this weird totalitarian fucking system 
and then break away somehow to the arts ultimately, or at least I don't know what you do specifically in terms of like, besides the podcast stuff that you do, but can you kind of elaborate on that? Absolutely. So when I was graduating high school, I only really wanted to play professional soccer and go to UT and like live it up. Right. Be like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm not <laughs> going to. Scholarship. The exactly. But certain things didn't really pan out for me. Like I didn't have the grades to get into UT and they had a really great soccer program. And at the time, I didn't understand the concept of living by default uh-huh. and not by design. That came later. But at the time, it was like, oh, okay, well, they didn't accept me. I didn't realize that there was, like, opportunities to appeal that and, like, set up different meetings and petition to go in. And, like, I didn't understand the concept of an institution closing the door on you but jumping through the window. Right. Well, so to interrupt you, I'm sorry. It, are you a first generation? Like, were you the first of your family to go to college? Uh, my uncle's a lawyer. So okay. he, I mean, the answer would probably, thing. yeah, he did the thing, but he, he's a lawyer in Mexico. Okay. So sure. he, I would say I'm not the first person to go to university, but okay. in terms of my household in Laredo, absolutely. Because that's a whole other thing in its own, right? Yeah. It's It's navigating being a first generation student in the United States because our parents didn't do that. That's the case for me as well, which mm-hmm. is why I ask. It's so hard. I had to fill out so many forms that I didn't know and if it wasn't for the amazing advisors at LC or now LC, once LCC, I don't think I would have been able to do it. And that's that I had to find these people. Because right. yeah. th- through trial and error, some of these folks really didn't have the time. And I get that. They're underpaid. And they got to see student after student answering these dumb questions. But to your point, we don't know this stuff. We don't know right. that when they say no, there's a way to kind of like rebuttal that or appeal it or whatever. Or show a portfolio. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> exactly. um, so yeah, that's a, that's a great point to, to mention. And I think growing up here, like, I, th- like I, I don't have, like, metrics or data to support it, but just instinctually, it was like, oh, at the time when I was a kid here, there wasn't many options to do things, right? You either yeah. went to this school or this school, right. right? And so you come up realizing, like, hey, based on the environment that I came from, if they say no, it's a no, right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to turn... I didn't know how to turn a no into a yes or... I didn't know that yeah. no was a not now, right? Maybe uh-huh. later. So what ended up happening for me specifically is that I applied to SWT, which was, you know, the original name of Texas State. They said no. And I was like, oh, I just want to go to college town <laughs> with a bunch of like cool people and do a bunch of cool parties. And like, I didn't care about school, right? I was like, I was really just trying to figure out how to shed this military skin. I was right. trying to go from Gus to Gustavo again, right? You knew that that wasn't your end all be all, like everybody else that was in that school, most likely. Right, but what I didn't realize that at this military school, like it was like this military school costs more than like universities, right? It's Jesus like it's such an expensive oh program that the kids that went to school or like the kids of like really rich people working in Saudi Arabia drilling for oil, like the kids from M and M's and Frito Lay's, like money. Right, the, the kids local. from the kids from Mexico, like the Nepo babies. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So here I was, like, llegando de panzazo, right? Like trying <laughs> to figure out, like, with, like how do I move up in the world with a two point four GPA <laughs> in high school and like low SAT scores? I'm like, I think mean, like the just going to college was good enough for the family. It was like, oh my god, like this is great. 
it wasn't until that moment that I realized like, oh my goodness, uh, I can't get into the school of my dreams uh, and I'm not going to play the sports that I'm going to play. But UTSA said yes to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go to that school. Yeah. So what ended up happening was that at UTSA, I was like, oh my God, this is cool. I'll go to the school. You know, it's all right. It's kind of far. It's not Laredo. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's San Antonio, right? It's like, yeah. oh my God, like, this is cool. And yo, the first semester that I was there, I took a bunch of courses and there was a political science class that I failed. Right? And that took my GPA under 2.0. So within Ooh. the first semester, academic dismissal. Oh. What the From fuck? UTSA. I called my grandfather. I was like, Awe. And he was like, ¿Qué pasó? I was like, I failed out of school. He's like, but why? Did you try hard? I was like, I gave it all I could, Grandpa. <laughs> it's so hard. I'm tired, Grandpa. I got to go back to Laredo. And he was like, no, but I can't you name nada, right? Like, so my grandfather started to pontificate that Laredo had no opportunities, that it sucked. And I like, it brainwashed me, right? Because yeah. like, we came from Mexico City. So I was like, there, that's one of the biggest cities in the world. Every industry is present there. Mm -hmm. So... He had a lot of bad things to say about Laredo. So, because <laughs> he had lived it, right? But I was here. like, every time I would say, I would like, I was like, then why did you choose to like <laughs> move us there? <laughs> right? He never answered really that question. But what ended up happening <laughs> to was this that day, no answer, no answer. <laughs> but at that point, uh, there was a new university, right? It was going to be called Tamal, right? Everybody's like, oh, Texas A and M in Laredo, Tamal. Tamal. But nobody really it didn't test well, so they changed the name from Texas A&M Laredo to uh, Texas Tamu, right? Right. <laughs> right. And I told my grandpa, I was like, I'll just go to Tamu, <laughs> Grandpa. And he was like, No, get in Laredo, figure. I mean, get in San Antonio, figure it out. And boy, it was a challenge because it was like I didn't know I was eighteen years old, mm -hmm. like nineteen years old. And at that point. <laughs> Coming up from this prestigious military school, community college was such a, uh, what's that word? Uh, not mystique, not myth. One of those things. <laughs> like, think about it. Stigma. 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 Oh my God. Stigmata. Oh. <laughs> the power of Christ can tell you. So I was like, I ain't going to community college. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I'm from this military school. Gus can't go to community college. Like, community college is for losers. And yo, I was like, fuck, I can't go to any other school but San Antonio College. Fuck it. So I go to San Antonio College. I'm like, oh, this school sucks. Right? I was like, the parking's even worse. And it's hot. <laughs> and like, oh, like, everybody's dumb here. Like, and yo, I started walking and I saw this cool Victorian house. And on the plaque of this house said, Department of Radio, Television, and Film. Ooh. And at that point, I was like, what? I was like, get the fuck is this? Like, what? <laughs> what? I walk in and talk to this professor. His name was Fred Weiss. I was like, yo, is, like, can you really study like radio, TV, film? He's like, oh, yeah, that's a big business. Yeah. A multi-billion dollar business. And I was like, wait, time out. Flashback. All these movies that I had been seeing in Mall del Norte, <laughs> in military school, people actually do that for work? And he was like, yep. And I just said to myself, damn, self, 
like, what do I got to do to take this program? He's like, oh, you got to do this. You got to do this. And I was like, yo, I'm going to do this. And sure enough, like my brain started clicking. And once I started studying radio TV film at San Antonio College, I was like, oh my goodness, community college is awesome, right? It's a lot <laughs> less expensive. You get more personal time, you know, it's cheaper and it's so much more fun. And I was so dumbfounded that there was no other program of radio TV film in San Antonio at the time. Mm -hmm. But I was so conditioned mentally by fear and limitations that, oh my goodness, like I didn't think going to UT Austin was a possibility. Right? Yeah. So I started kind of inching my way. Like, so I started calling the school and I was like, can I get into this school? And they're like, well, <laughs> Gus, listen, man, you, you can't come to UT Austin because you failed out of UTSA. So in order for you to come to UT Austin, you have to get your grades up enough at SAC, get reinstated into UTSA, and then you can apply. Jesus Christ, what the fuck? I know. So I said, que hueva, bro. That's a fucking long time. And I was like, being a kid in Laredo, I, I was in such a hurry to grow up. I was like, I hate authority. I hate being stuck at home. Like, I need to get out and do what I want. And so they started to kind of feel that way. And eventually, my grades went through the roof. My GPA was so high that I was like, hey, I'm going to go back to UTSA and be like, hey. I'm back. <laughs> and sure enough, I got reinstated. But the only problem was that they didn't have a radio TV film program. And I was like, chinga, que hueva. So, and at the time, I didn't know like how to simplify my life. I just knew how to complicate it. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I'm going to do this regular UTSA bullshit. <laughs> and then I'm going to go sack at night and do like the cool shit, right? Ooh, so okay. I started like two-timing my education. So I actually uh -huh. was doing a bachelor's and an associate's at the same time, which was really cool because by the time I finished them both at the same time, I graduated from UTSA. And then like the next weekend, I was graduating from SAC. It was really cool. That is cool. So eventually, I took one course at SAC that changed the game for me. And it's something like a little $400 class at the time. Uh -huh. It was Avid, editing on Avid. And... I started realizing it had a good knack for editing. Like it just came so simple to me that I felt this could be my way into Austin at UT Austin. Mm -hmm. I can go to that school and I can be Gus again, <laughs> you know, with all the kids over there and be like, go to football games and be like, you know, say hi to Debo, whatever his name is, <laughs> but it never happened, bro. Never happened because I met a girl at UTSA and she said, oh, you got to go to New York. If you really want to be a filmmaker, you got to go to New York. And I said, okay, that sounds cool. <laughs> it was like Big Fish, right? That movie Big Fish. But at the time I was like, oh my God, I got, like if I can't study UT, if I can't study film at UTSA, but I live on campus, what can I do? So I started making movies with this camera that I had. Mm -hmm. And making the movie was so great. It was like the best movie ever made. I was like, oh my God, you stand over there. You stand over there. Action. Da, 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 da. Oh my God. Cut. Boom. No, moving on. And when we finally showed it on campus, <laughs> I rented this whole auditorium and I started saying like, you know, telling people to come. And 
And then uh, I realized I was really good at, at mobilizing people and bringing people in. What I wasn't good at was making movies. Because <laughs> when I saw the movie, and the movie was playing, I was like, yo, this movie sucks. <laughs> this movie that who, who I- made this shit? Who, I, 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 I started looking, I was like, night. this movie- <laughs> That, that movie was made by Gus. <laughs> fuck that shit. That's not me. <laughs> fuck that, that guy. <laughs> fuck that dude. A fucking failure. <laughs> and sure enough, I was like, yo, this movie sucks. I don't know if I can make movies. I guess I'll work at USAA with, with all my other friends from school. And I started making more movies and more movies. And eventually I was like, okay, I'll make this one movie. And if this movie sucks, I will never do this again. It was all right. It wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible either i was like oh my god i'm starting to learn to tell stories and this and that and how to cut it together i was like i see something here and then sure enough well like i was like you know what i don't think i'm gonna go to austin anymore i think i'm gonna just sell all my shit donate my car i get a tax write-off and just peace out and go to new york that's exactly what i did and so i said mom uh, i'm not going back to laredo sorry so this is like already like 10 years like I was like 24 or something like that. So I was like, you know, already over 10 years out of Laredo. Mm-hmm. I flew to Mexico City. I gave my diploma to my grandpa. I was like, here's my bachelor's. <laughs> Thank you, grandpa. I'm going to New York. I need you to cut me off financially. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, bro, I got this. And he was like, pero por qué? That's how we And I was like, oh, at least it'll be on my terms, bro. Because if you still finance my life, two things are going to happen. One, we're going to fight because you're going to tell me to do things and I'm not going to do them and you're going to threaten to stop funding me. So let's just get that over with that. now. Yeah. Such self-responsibility. Right. I was actually 21 when I did that. And the other thing was, I was like, hey, when I'm 40 or 45 and you're not around anymore, I don't want to have to learn what it's like to take care of myself in sense. my 40s. I want to learn that now. Mm-hmm. So by the time you're gone... I can do it, but also in the meantime, I can just enjoy my relationship with you. And it's not about money and it's not about authority. And sure enough, he was like, okay, good luck in New York. <laughs> That's beautiful. And so I took off to New York and I hit the ground running. First day I booked a job. It was so cool. It paid me on the spot, shooting cameras. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be oh, great yeah. in New York. The next day, I was like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> the next day after that, I was like, okay, well, what the fuck do I do now? So I went back to see the guy. I was like, hey, what's going on? Da, da, da. He was like, oh, no, we got nothing right now. But come back, you know, a little later. I was like, okay, this sucks. So then, like, you know, things were getting real slow. Mm-hmm. Started working at The Gap on Broadway. <laughs> Shout out. And 44th Street. <laughs> and it was one of those things that I was like, this is not the idea of working on Broadway that I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I'm over here working, selling denim to like To the tourists. Broadway stars. <laughs> exactly. To <laughs> tourists, right? You got to think of it's a, it's a nice initiation to it. The starving artist. Exactly. Starts- <laughs> At least I was well-dressed. Like, you know, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not that tall. So finding jeans is really hard for me. Like I don't so wear gap preach. jeans, you know, and I'm mm, like, mm. Yeah. but I know how to still do a <laughs> denim wall. I can still fold denim. Like, this. like oh I could be. Oh my gosh, I feel so sweet. <laughs> I worked retail and the Hot Topic rock tee wall. I look at it and I'm like, that's me. I could have done that. I did that. <laughs> and then, and then I just started connecting with friends who were like, hey, we know some people, we know people, we know people. And then I found myself on shooting a student film at Columbia University. And I wasn't even going to Columbia. 
at this point, I had applied to Columbia and NYU. They were like, eh, no thanks, Gus. Uh, <laughs> like, it's okay. And I'm like, but I'm Goose and I'm awesome. Trust me. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's okay. Your GPA is okay. It's not great. Like, and, and we're very expensive. And I was like, okay, whatever. So, so you were just being hired like second cam? I was just hanging. I wasn't even being hired. I was just like putting movies together with my friends. I was like, yo, you're cool. You're cool. You're pretty. You'll be okay. You're I felt like, you know, I was doing independent film on mini TV at the time. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is great. It's going to be awesome. And things slowed down so much that I, I was like, eh, I guess I'll be a barista here at the Times Square Cafe on 42nd Street <laughs> in the AMC. And, you know, they were like, hey, so your last name's Devin. Are you Jewish? I'm like, uh yeah, like, you know, if I say yes, am I gonna like, get into a hate crime? I'm like, <laughs> like yo, like, being I have, your movie. I'm like, why? You know, it's like I am Jewish, but I was raised Catholic. But my Jewish bloodline is very runs deep. But I'm like Catholic. They're like, yeah, you're one of us. Yeah, Why don't you come go. work here? And I was like, all right, cool. So Hi. then, what ended up happening was like, yo, like I need to find a place to live. And right away, they were like, yo. We're going to close down the restaurant. So your barista oh, days were over. And I was like, sure. oh, fuck. And sure enough, I started panicking. And I was like, I don't really, I don't, I'm, I'm not ready to go back to Texas yet. I need to figure out a way to stay here. And I walked into that same place that hired me on day one. Mm -hmm. But this time I was like in day 157. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I, this was like six months later almost. And I was like, hey, man, you guys have more work? Because I want to stay here. And they're like, hey, we don't have any more camera work, man. Like, Jeez. thanks for visiting. But do you know how to edit? I was like, yeah, I do know how to edit. And well, this guy's about to leave right now, but we need to keep working. Like, would you be down to stay and work and we'll pay you? And I was like, all right. So he paid me like $200 for the day. $250. I was like, whoa, this is fucking awesome in 2000. Four. I'm like, yo, yeah, $250 in 2004 for like eight hours. I'm like, this is great. So then I was like, hey, you need me tomorrow? He's like, yeah, come by tomorrow. Come by tomorrow. And I just started yes. working there. And then I was like, hey, I have a computer if you need it. He said, oh, yeah. So I ended up just like loaning my computer to them uh -huh. to, gave, to give myself office space to cut my movies yeah. while I was there. And it was an incredible because we built a production company working with like all the record labels and TV stations in New York. And it was really, really fun. And I learned a lot. And then there was a filmmaker named Cristina Ibarra. That's still her name. That <laughs> she's from El Paso. She lives in New York. And she did this whole UCLA screenwriters program in Los Angeles. Betty. And I said, hey, she's from the border in Texas. She's fam. She's not tall like me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could go to UCLA. Like UT Austin's cool, but UCLA, this is great. Like, so I ended up doing this program where it's called uh, there's a producers organization called NALIP, and NALIP mm -hmm. is the acronym for National Association of Latino Independent Producers. So I roll up with this documentary about a magician, right? A magician that I met at UTSA on day one. I was like, yo, what's up? Let's do a documentary. He's like, all right, poof. And <laughs> we shot this documentary and I showed it to all these producers. And they were like, hey, uh, your documentary is really cool looking. Like the editing is really cool. The 
the camera work's amazing, but the story, we don't really get it. Like, we don't know what you're trying to say here. Is he a good kid trying to be bad? Or is he a bad kid trying to be good? We don't know. Yeah. But the reason we're telling you is because we're giving you feedback that you have potential. But you're really not, like, awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I said, okay, so thanks. And they're like, but, but we have two programs that we're giving scholarships to at UCLA. One is a production program, which you already know how to do because you've been working in production. And the other one is a screenwriting program. We suggest you apply to that program because your movies look cool, but the story is kind of weak sauce. Ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's on constructive criticism. Exactly. And I said, okay, this might be my chance to go to LA. <laughs> and I had to write a whole essay as to why I deserved this opportunity for the scholarship. So we wrote something down. I won a scholarship. Period. And I was living in New York at the time, and they were like, hey, thanks, here's your scholarship. Classes started a month. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> time out. Like, I have a whole life in New York. Like, I'm like working in Midtown. I live in Brooklyn. I'm dating this Italian girl from Long Island. Like, <laughs> I can't go to LA. LA sucks. Like, LA's so boring and slow, but I'll check it out. And yo, I went to LA as a student and I hated it. I was like, this place sucks. LA is so boring. (laughs) Que hueva is so slow. I can't be here. But UCLA was awesome. So my classes were great, but the life in LA just was boring. Slow in what way? Just I guess like the movement was so slow. Movies and TV shows that are based there depict it so differently. So what was that like? Just the pacing of the city. Like everyone's so lax of days ago in LA. Like I was about to kind of say that because there was a production that came here uh, to Laredo. And I basically just, I was a PA trumpet, for it. The trumpet one? Uh, no, not that one. It no. was, uh, but I did see that one. I, see, I saw them around, running around. But it was for the, it was... Um, Fuck, Border Force mm. is just a show that was on Hulu for a while oh, and gotcha. stuff like that. Um, but it was pretty cool because I basically just PA, PA'd for it. And they had me fucking running around con madre and shit. But all of them were pretty, like you said, they were fucking laid back and mm-hmm. shit. And I'm just there like, I was like, but we have to do shit. Like we have to do. And and, and that's at least culturally for me in Laredo because a lot of times people do say we're more relaxed. But we're in chingas. We're always like wanting to do the next fucking thing, because if you're if you stop in Laredo, then you're basically just not moving at all, and yeah. you you're prolonging your stay kind of here mm-hmm. without having built anything here in Laredo. Exactly. So I was raised at least because of my father. It's like Ponte las pilas. You got to do shit because if you're not doing shit, then you're just a rock. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that's it. Exactly. So that's why I was like. It's like, why are you guys so fucking chill and shit? Like you guys said, you guys need like five more fucking shots. There's an hour left. We need to get those shots. Like what the fuck's wrong with you guys? I learned the tricks of the trade. It's like they're chill because they know how to delegate to to someone like you. And we'll make this game work, you know? But yeah, I think the the whole city of LA just seemed very slow for me. Because, you know, I was a New Yorker at this point. I was like, yo, I live in New York. Like, you know, Gus is dead. Goose is is alive now, right? Like, (laughs) that's what's up. But yo, I ended up having a big conflict because 
the girl from Long Island, she stayed in New York. I was like, yo, come to LA with me. I'll be, I'll be your man. I'll take care of you. You can be an actress. She's like, on what budget? I was like, I don't know, girl. We'll figure it out. I got a scholarship. I'm a genius. And sure enough, that didn't pan out. But Aww. like, I was shout a, out girl from Long Island. Exactly. The one that got away. Yeah. But you know, I was so gotcha with her because like, like we never were like a boyfriend and girlfriend. We were just kind of hanging, you know? And then like on the last day, I was like, hey, you want to be my girlfriend? And she's like, that's still <laughs> not fair. never made it official. And so you like, can't be her. Exactly. That she bad. was like, why, why wouldn't you, like, why would you want me to be your girlfriend on your last day in New York? I was like, because I, I don't know what toxic masculinity. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what toxic masculinity is yet. Give me 15 years, <laughs> but I'll be back for that one. <laughs> And so, yeah, it was one of those things that I went to L.A., hated it. I went back to New York after a year, after I was done with school. I was like, yeah, New York is cool. I love it. Be- I love being here. It's cool. But then it started getting cold and the winters were back. I was like, oh, this sucks. And then sure enough, like, I was like, I need to figure out a plan here because I'm like bored in life and I'm like free falling and I'm just not happy. And so I started working out of Miami for a bit. And then I figured, oh, there's an ad agency in San Antonio. Maybe I'll go there. Maybe I'll go back to Laredo. I don't know. And, you know, I was like, I, I had flashbacks from my Catholic school days. I was like, oh, Diosito, tell me where to be and I'll surrender <laughs> to you. You know, please. I'm, I'm, I'm not an atheist yet. <laughs> and sure enough, I get a call from someone at Universal Studios in Los Angeles. And they're like, hey, man, we hear that you uh, know certain people that we know. And we're looking for a Spanish-speaking editor for the relaunch of Mundos. Okay. Ooh. And I said, yeah, no, editing sucks. Like, it's so, like, my, I don't have the brain for it. Like, I just, I can't do it. I'm burnt out. Can I do, like, a producer thing? And they're like, yeah, but the producer pays, like, this much. And the editing pays, like, that much. I said, okay, what what would we be editing? (laughs) So I flew to LA to meet with them at Universal. Did an interview and I got the job on the spot. And I was editing a television show called Vivo for Mundos, which was a lifestyle show with celebrity guests and musical acts. And this was at the height of reggaeton. Like Daddy Yankee, Guy Dressed, all these yeah. people, Harry Potter's was there, like all like that's fucking wild because I used to watch that to think that this fucking guy was just editing it. <laughs> and yeah, we were there, like Fast and Furious and shit, all that fucking <laughs> cool stuff, like was we were pumping it out. And I was editing and working at Universal for eight years. And then a merger happened and Comcast came in and they said, Hey, we're gonna buy all this stuff. So uh Ooh. We're going to stop operations of Mundos in L.A. and move it back to Miami. What the fuck? And we're going to rebrand it. and It's going to be called Universal. So whoever wants to go to Miami has a chance to go. Whoever doesn't, sorry. Bye. And I was working freelance towards the end of my tenure there. So I had figured out a posh situation to go to Miami for a while. And Miami was cool, though. Like, I was having a really good time. Oh, you went? I went. (laughs) They were like, yo, we can... Like, we want you to be there for two years. I was like, Inga, no, okay, well, I can't. Like, uh, how about a summer? And like, yeah, spring, summer, that's cool. Like, you know, and I negotiated a really cool apartment, a rental car, a per diem. It was so Yay, dope. I was living like a bi coastal life, like super well funded. You know, met a Cuban girl there. It was so cool. There you go. Like, yeah, it's like, cool, dude. So dope. <laughs> I love it. 
It's like goose is lo- goose is on the loose and Gus is dead, right? <laughs> like fuck all those people in UT Austin and goose like San Antonio. Right? Like, Yo, <laughs> but then I got real scared because I was like, hey, God, like I don't belong in Miami. Like Miami to me was a playground. And I wanted to be a playground. Like living there just I got real scared to live there because again, it's so slow. So like the days ago, like party scenes are moving all the time, but you can't party every day. I mean, some people can, right? But not mm-hmm. me. Right. So that I was like, God, do I work out? Uh, am I staying in Miami for the two years or am I going to go back to LA? And, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. Working on TV shows like novelas and the Premier League or else like, or go back to LA and figure it out. And sure enough, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go figure it out. Jumped on a plane to LA. And I felt that it was a place for me still. And I was like, all right, cool. Went back to LA, met some people again, reunited with my folks at Mundos. And now they were all at Warner Brothers. And they're like, hey, you want to come work over here? I was like, yeah, let's go. Boom. And then finally, finally, I was able to do a job where I was a producer for Warner Brothers at a division called Stage 13. And we have a bunch of shows on Netflix and HBO and all this stuff. And what I was doing was producing marketing material for all these shows. Trailers, social media. Super fun. Being on set, producing stuff, interviewing people. It was really cool. Editing too. But then, after seven years, another merger happens. (laughs) AT&T buys... Time Warner. So we're all shaking in our boots and I'm like, gee, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen here. And boom, like things start happening. Heads start rolling. Logos start changing. And I'm like, Ugh. but somehow we survived that merger. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know, things are rolling, right? You know, presidents are changing. People are freaking out. People are freaking mm. in. <laughs> you know, and then another merger happens, right? This time, Discovery says, hey, we're going to buy... Time, or we're gonna buy AT&T's shares of Warner Brothers. Oof. This time, we didn't survive <laughs> the merger. So officially, like next week is like my last day, or in two weeks is my last day. And so, I actually just been chilling for a minute. So I was like, "All right, this is cool. I'm just gonna enjoy my severance and chill and relax and." And then I started feeling this urge to come home. I was like, well, should I go home for the holidays? I don't know. Maybe. So then at the end of the year, on the very last day, yeah, I hopped in my car, drove out of LA with my doggy and some stuff. <laughs> and I felt that coming to Laredo would be the best thing that I could do at the moment. I was like, I'm going to go home, see my mom, see my family. Home base. Home base. Get grounded. Get grounded. But as I was driving here, I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do in Laredo for like a month? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, go to Mr. Corn every <laughs> single day. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do in Laredo. Like, where am I? Like, I don't know anybody there. I'm old now. Like, I go to the mall. People don't know me. I'm like, that's kind of cool, though. But so I drove down and I saw my friend in San Antonio and she said hey we should have we should go do some open mics and poetry and I was like 
that's cool. I'm down because I do a lot of poetry. And I said, let's do it. So we start getting ready to do that. And I was like, but let me just go to Laredo first and hang with my mom for like, like a week, you know, before I start like a tour. Yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, I'm here. I see my mom. I see my aunt. I see my family. Then I kind of start scratching at the walls. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do here. Like, I'm going to be bored. And something interesting started happening. You know those movies where the protagonist from the big city comes home to the small town? Yeah. And they have like this attitude problem. Like, uh, this is not the way it is back home. You know, this is not the way. Like, things don't move like this back home. You know? But the whole, pro like, the whole thing is like, holy shit, I am home. Like, there's this whole, like, time travel, like, vortex of like, oh my goodness, like, if I were to just snap my fingers and not go back to LA, like this is home, but this has always been home. Right. Yeah. But there's this weird adjustment. Like, Oh my goodness. I don't know if I belong here anymore. Like culturally, I sound different than most people. Like these girls that are even from high school, from elementary school. They're like, you don't even sound Mexican. I'm like, what does a Mexican sound like? <laughs> you know, but they're super cool. But culturally my brain is so in my bubble in LA in a neighborhood called Los Feliz, which is a bubble in itself within LA. Very foo-foo, like very pot, like very artsy, mm -hmm. bohemian type neighborhood. Some people call it hipsters, right? <laughs> but what ended up happening was I decided to open up my Bumble. I was like, you know what? I don't really use Bumble ever, but let's see what happens. <laughs> see what the algorithm does, right? Boom. <laughs> I'm swiping. I'm swiping. No one's swiping on me. So I'm like, ugh. And then finally this one girl starts, she hits me up. And I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm like. Hey, none. She's like, hey. Apparently, like, you know, we started connecting, started chatting. I'm like, this is interesting. All right, let's see what this is in the sense of going. Anyway, it turns out she's kind of well known in this town. I won't say her name. But she was like, meet me at this place. So I'm like, all right, cool. And it was a Cultura Beer Garden. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. So we start talking. She's super cute. But of course, me, I come out hard with like, I don't live here. I'm just visiting. <laughs> My mom is here, but this is my dog, Lola. <laughs> but I don't live here. I'm just here for a few days. Oh, you days. brought the dog? Yeah. That's that's a power move exactly. right there. <laughs> I was like, yo, I don't live here. And, um, and I'm just visiting. And she's like, well, you know, I'm doing this show. You know, it's kind of big. It's going to play end of, it's going to play in January. And I was like, wait, a musical? She's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, a fucking musical? <laughs> like here in Laredo? She's like, yeah, it's Hedwig. I'm like, like running that. I'm like, what? I'm like, wait, who are you? And then turns out, like, we, like, know a lot of the same people, but we end up, like, having been in the same places from before, right? But mm -hmm. I've never met her until now. So then one thing leads to another, and I ask her. I'm like, hey, if I wanted to do an open mic, where would I do it? And she says, here, at this place. And I was like, here at this Cultura Beer Garden? She's like, Absolutely. Nah, you're lying. <laughs> this is Laredo. Like, who does that here? Like, people just get in trouble here in Ipalinque, right? <laughs> She's like, no. There's a whole community here. Like, there's people that do things, artistic shit. And this woman was so plugged into the art world here that my mind started kind of clicking. And I was like, all right. So she ends up leaving, right? She had rehearsals. And I'm like, let me just kind of, like, waddle into this place. And I was like, hey, do you guys have an open mic here? They're like, yeah, tomorrow. I was like, Tomorrow? 
And they're like, yeah, but it's a comedy show. It's not a poetry show. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> so I'm like stalking all the people who do it. I'm like, I don't know. I've never met you, dude. You look young. I don't know. <laughs> fuck. I don't know anybody here. How do I plug in? But of course, since Gus is dead, right? Now I know, oh, I know how to get in through a window if there's no door open, right? There you go. So I start DMing folks. I'm like, hey, uh, we've never met. This is me. I want to do a poem. Can I? And they're like, yeah, is it funny? Because like, this is a comedy show. I'm like, there's funny moments. So anyway, I crashed the party. I end up doing the show. And then I go see my friend in Houston. I'm like, oh my God, like, let's do shows here. So I'm performing in Houston, doing all these poetry shows. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm on tour, right? I'm like, holy cow. Like, I'm in Texas, full on tour, performing on stages in different cities. And then my doggie had an eye injury. So we got to, we had to have surgery. So that delayed mm-hmm. my return to LA. Right? The doctors are like, oh, we need to see you in a month. And I'm like, oh, another <laughs> month? What am I going to do here for another month? Que like, I can't stay in Houston for a month. I guess I'll go back to Laredo. And yo, unfortunately, my doggie, she's been kind of recovering. So it's been, a, we're being at a slow pace. But then my niece said, hey, let's go to this coffee shop downtown they close early we should check it out mm-hmm. so i'm like all right <laughs> coffee shop in Laredo. like that sounds weird <laughs> <laughs> what about that starbucks <laughs> Delmar, right <laughs> and yo we walk into this coffee shop and i was my jaw was on the ground i was like what is this place this place looks like heaven like this is like the mecca of like coffee in laredo and i was like oh my god and then everybody there is super nice Really great air conditioner. <laughs> right? A must. Super chill a vibe. Must in this city. Fast internet, super friendly staff, lots of space. And then I started to discover a whole different Laredo that have has never even been possible in my brain. Right? I was like, wait, there's a whole community of artists and all these people that I was stalking to get on stage also know all the people here at this coffee shop (laughs) and all these people know the same girl that I met on Bumble. Like, okay, small town, but it's moving. There's a lot of movement here. I was like, oh my goodness. So then we get to that part in the middle of the movie where the protagonist is like, maybe I'll stay a while. Like, (laughs) I don't, I need to go back home to LA yet. Oh wait, this is home, Laredo. Okay, my family's here. And now I'm at this point where I'm like, because of Lola's recovery, Mm-hmm. I've had to just sit and watch her, but I started writing a whole script. So I have this whole new script that I've been writing and it's flowing really fast. And I've been able to write more in Laredo than I have been in LA, which That's is good. so weird to me, right? Cause LA, your brain is so occupied cause there's so much stuff to do. But here, like I had to go inward. I was like, wait, hold on. Let me kind of just, and of course the film I'm writing has a lot to do with like, real life experiences, but I take out like 40% and throw in some fiction just to make it a little juicier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta add the drama. Exactly. So then I started realizing these whole like memories that I have of Laredo and these preconceived notions that were implanted by my grandfather. Well, Laredo sucks and all this no opportunity were all fake news. Right. It was like, Oh, it sucked for you. Cause that's what you mm-hmm. chose. Right. It's, 
And I asked my mom the other day, I was like, hey, like, you know what? Ever come to LA? She's like, yeah, I'm good. There's earthquakes there, but like, Laredo's safe. <laughs> and I'm like, Laredo's hot. <laughs> but yeah. I, I started to change my attitude by changing my point, my perspective, right? I was like, well, what do I do if, like, if I just accept and participate in the community? So then there was talk. I overheard talks about a podcast. I was like, oh, wait, hold on. It was me. Yes. And I was like, wait, there are people podcast here? Like, what in the world? So then I started feeling like. Hi, welcome to Borderlandia. <laughs> so then I started feeling like that asshole in the movie in the beginning of the third You were act. Ryan Reynolds and Just Friends. Yes, Yo, exactly. Yes. Damn. I was like, oh my God. Like, I just got to hit the bubble girl. Like, I don't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but it started to really like, I started enjoying that it takes only 15 minutes to get anywhere. Yeah. I was like, this is cool. Traffic, this is easy. <laughs> you know, this, this traffic is easy. No problem. But I started to really enjoy the fact that, oh, I could see my mom today if I wanted to. In LA, I don't have that opportunity. I have to jump yeah. on a plane. Right. Yeah. Here I could be like, mom, I'm going to go to this coffee shop, but I'll sit with you for an hour before I go. And like it started, I started having to deconstruct 12 year old Gus's brain mm-hmm. and be like, oh my goodness, this whole community that I thought was still the same community when I was 12 has evolved. Right. And I'm like, oh my goodness, okay, this is interesting because I could have a life here. Like I could participate in this community. Oh, I love to hear that. And I could be an it's active member. And I went to see my godmother the other day. And she asked me, she's like, are you moving back home? And I was like, no, don't get crazy now. <laughs> like, what the, are you on drugs? And she's like, yeah. And she gave me a whole list. Like, I'm yes. on blood pressure, this and that. I'm like, oh, my, no, I was just kidding. Like, I'm talking like hardcore drugs. And she's like, no. She's like, you never considered it? I'm Hydrocodone? Like, <laughs> For like, arthritis. I was like, no, I've been on a walkabout for 30 years. And something interesting happened like two years ago, right? Before the pandy started. You know, before the pandulce started. Uh-huh. I was sitting at a red light in San Luis Obispo in California. I called my mom. I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be 42 tomorrow. She's like, yeah, yeah, I know. She's like, what are you doing for your birthday? I was like, I'm at a red light contemplating the fact that I left Laredo 39 years ago. And I never went back home. Or sorry, 29 years ago. Yeah, I was about to be like, God <laughs> I was damn. like, I left 29. I was like, I've been gone for 30 years. <laughs> I was like, how is it possible like that so much time has happened? You know? And what's interesting is like, I was thinking the other day, like if I were to time travel and like talk to my mom and my grandfather before they sent me to military school and say to them, hey, he might be in trouble right now at Catholic school, right? But if you send him to military school, he will never come home. Like for the next 30 years, he will be living elsewhere. Would you take that path? And my mom, she's super mystical about things, right? And religious. But (laughs) she's super great because she's very like, I'd rather you fly and see the world than you live in one place for the rest of your life wondering what the world is. And I was like, oh, my God, mom. (laughs) Say it again so I can write that down. (laughs) (laughs) But she said it in Spanish, like super eloquent. She's like, prefiero que seas una águila y viajes por todo el mundo viendo todo lo que puedas ver. Que seas una gallina aquí en la finca. (laughs) I was like, damn, mom. 
That's where you get your poetic gene from. Correct. There it is. And so, you know, and my mom's aging too. And it was one of those things where I've come to a realization, right? Something happened interesting in September. Like my family has a business here and like it's a hotel and I could go stay there. And that's where I stayed for like 15 years. I'd be like, every time I would come visit, I would just stay at the family's hotel. But in September, they told me that my same room as a child was available. Mm. And I was like, wait, time out. That same room that I had when I was five is available? They're like, yeah. I was like, wait, so my uncle doesn't have it anymore? Because you gave it to him when I was five. They're like, nope. <laughs> and I was like, wait, so uh, then my sister, you know, she doesn't have it anymore because she's not around. But she passed away. But so it's available. They're like, yeah. And I was like, wait, nobody has a room. It's just sitting there. And I was like, well, I think I'm going to go stay there. And I went in there for like, the, I walked in and sat in the room for like five minutes. I was like, nope. I cannot be in this room. It feels weird. <laughs> Fuck this place. I got to go. I hate this room. Like, oh, I hate this house. Like, ugh. But then I was like, well, I'll try sleeping here. And then I slept and then I was like, that was okay. Then the next day I was like, it was all right. <laughs> and then I slept with this one blanket. They're like, this is your grandmother's blanket. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then I, I took off. I went back to LA. And then when I came back this time, they're like, hey, you're going to stay at the hotel or you're going to stay in your room? I was like... I'm going to stay in my room. And ever since then, something interesting has happened because now I'm sleeping better in my childhood room in Laredo than I am in my little poshy artistic like apartment in LA. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, mindset is everything. Yeah. Right? So, so now I'm in my room in my, like in Del Mar. And I'm like, I should paint this room and I should get other furniture, like make it mine. Not because I want to take over the room and like live there permanently. Like I'm right. not ready. I'm not make it a little bit more like make home. it more mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right? yeah. like I know the way the movie's gonna end. Right, the movie's gonna end. Be like, mommy, I love you and came auntie, back. but I gotta go. Aww. Like I'm driving out. Right, <laughs> like, I'm leaving like this week. Right, I'm like I gotta go. I'm going back to LA. You know, back to my life. Right. Yeah. But of course, now that was my perspective when I got here. Of course, like six weeks in, I'm like, oh, wait, this is my life too. My life in Laredo is also part of my life. It's not something that doesn't belong to me. So I started to embrace that and do an attitude adjustment because I started realizing like the reason I never really had fun here was because I never made the effort to have fun here. It was always like, I'm here to visit. Once that's fulfilled, I'm gone, you know? Mm. So as soon as I hit that bumble, I was like, what's going on in this town? Like, how do people move here? Like, what is a 40, what is a 45-year-old kid do here? <laughs> of course, you know, I look for all the kids that I went to school with who are also 45 now. I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, hey. And they're like, hey, you want to hang out? They're like, what are you doing Valentine's Day? I was like, mm, I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> like, so I'm like, you know, there's a girl that I went to school with and now we're both growing up. And she's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, I'm going back to LA. So we'll be friends. <laughs> <laughs> I can't start anything I can't finish and she's like but you don't have to leave like you could stay here if you want I'm like oh. start sweating exactly <laughs> so to land the plane it's one of these things that I'm realizing like I don't want to move back here permanently but I do want to open up an opportunity to come here more often mm -hmm. right I want to cultivate my bedroom here to yeah. be more like feng shui I want it to be mine I want to 
meet people like you guys where I'm like, hey, these are like creative folks that I gravitate to like a moth to the flame. It's like Aww. a few days, like last week, I didn't even know you. Now yeah. you're programmed in my phone. I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> you know? And so what I, what I found to be interesting, it's like Gus is not dead, right? That's still part of me. I've lived all these different lives, right? And I haven't really missed a step being here because like I can just step right into this life and be like, oh, okay, this is like part of my life now. This and is you. This is me, right? Yeah. So what started really happening, as soon as I went to Cafe Radical and I was able to create, I realized like, okay, mindset is everything. doesn't matter where I'm at as long as I can create and have the best like productivity because that is within me, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So my last few days, I'm like... Maybe I don't drive out this week. Maybe I kind of just <laughs> hang out for a bit. And there's talks about South by Southwest. And I'm like, maybe I'll just stay another month. And, <laughs> and now that Lola has recovered, like I can actually like relax a little more. So I'm like, and I'm working remotely right now. Like I got clients, I'm editing stuff. So it's like, it's been a really fun experience being here in Laredo, mm-hmm. which I never thought I would actually be here at 45, right? Where it's like, 30 years of doing a walkabout, you wonder, like, I'm never going home. (laughs) And now it's like, oh, I'm home. This is interesting. Mm -hmm. It was like a portal. And it's like you've always been a fronterizo. It's like you've always meant to be here and maybe you just didn't have the right, like you said, mindset. But now also coming back from big cities that have a lot of movement and a lot of things going on, you come back to your once quiet town because I think we all felt that at some point. Um... And you see that there's so much happening, right? We met at the coffee shop. Instantly, we were just like, you have a podcast. You have a podcast. And then from there, it's history. You're here now. Um, And that's just the beauty of this city and this community now. And it's such a beautiful perspective that you were able to share with us because I think a lot of the things that you said at once also made sense to me. I mean, when I was growing up, we had one Starbucks, the one on Del Mar. I can't imagine what it was like when you were 12 years old, you know, thinking even back even further. They're just... We had a Kmart at one point. That's gone now. There's all home goods. There's all these things that, you know, just once weren't there. And apart from that, like, big corporate, like, input, there's a lot of local stuff that's trying to also make its way. And from folks that have gone and come back and and now they're making their mark. And maybe this is your chance to also do that, you know, aside from this podcast here today. Do that with us. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, like, it's been happening over the centuries, right? Where you you live, you're part of this clan that lives in this cave, right? You hunt and gather, and then you start meeting other people from different clans, and you're like, wait, what's your cave like? And then you <laughs> go, and you're like, oh my God, and then you come back to your cave, and you're like, hey, Valerie, guess what? I was over here, and like, they make fire with a stone right. instead of a stick. Right, bongo, right, bongo. right, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, but was, essentially, yeah. Exactly. yeah. But, you know, I think for me, what I've come to discover is that no matter like where I'm at, because I've been, I've lived in New York, Los Angeles, Miami, which are like very big cities. And I have been bored there (laughs) many times. And I have felt very lonely in those cities many times. But being in Laredo, I don't feel lonely because I have a whole, like my whole family's here. And friends that I went to school with. 
So like that whole feeling of an existential crisis does not exist here because one, <laughs> people are always in your ear and your face like I need this, I need that, like and I'm like I don't like I don't even know how to communicate with my family because I'm not used to having them around. Like right. my aunt was like, "You want me to make your bed?" I'm like, "Don't touch it, please." She's like, "Pero por qué no?" And I'm like. I don't need people touching my bed. I'm a grown man. Like I went to military school. Watch me. Yeah. There you go. Hospital corner. <laughs> Hospital corner. And, and she's like, Pero que te pasa? and I'm like, I'm like, I just, I don't, I'm not used to people caring for me right. and pampering me. Like it's like, I'm not used to it. So I reject it automatically. And I'm like, so then I, of course I scroll through like, TikTok, I'm like, okay, what does hyper-independence mean? Oh, fuck, it means trauma? Trauma? Oh, my God, I'm traumatized? Oh, fuck that. Like, okay, you can make my bed, yeah, make my bed. Let me watch you. And let me heal. Let me let heal. Me heal. I will accept help. Fuck, I hate this place because it's making me look at shit that I wasn't even looking at. Oh, Goose, it sounds like you're having such a beautiful, like... Midlife crisis? Yeah, I love it. But it's like the opposite of a, a midlife crisis. It's like... Yeah, sort of, somewhat, but like you're, like so many things are enlightening in in your path. Yeah, and like it's just becoming this whole new, brightened way or different perspective on how to look what you were once looking at mm -hmm. to what is now. It's just it's cool. Like it's a really good way. Personally, if you ever, if you want to call it a <laughs> midlife crisis of sorts, I think it's like one of the more better experiences to have because it's more of like you having this revelation of like what I left and yeah. I'm coming back to is not the fucking shit show that it was. A reawakening. Yeah. It's more pretty of a shit show now because there's a lot of shit happening. <laughs> But, and that's the cool thing because it's like, um, personally, I feel like the reason it's happening or at least it happens, I think kind of halfway through my high school, which uh, high school years, which was in 2009 all the way to 12 ish that's when i started seeing people um at least for me it started because i was more into music i was playing in bands i would see people host shows people started booking shows started bringing people from like ups up up north in in texas and shit hardcore shows and shit shout out to george uh, assuming you ever listen to this but he was a huge contributor to that along with other people before him too that would just basically cultivate these like these art shows basically of music specifically and bringing hardcore music which had as a whole scene on its own in laredo if you didn't know but it's just mm -hmm. that alone itself was something that i gravitated towards too and it's moments where people who take the time to make these events or at least make a small little like uh it's like coffee shops that's where it all happens basically that's the cultivation of just a bunch of uh huge mixing Uh, melting melting pot of a bunch of just people. Right. Yeah. So it's we're brewing. Exactly. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> so basically, I just saw that happen when I was in in high school. There. Once I fucking left that shit and I went to college and I started studying what I needed to do and doing what I needed to do, I basically started seeing people coming back that I remember growing up that left Laredo, did their studying, and they brought back what they learned. And that's the main thing I think that has been making Laredo evolve, like you kind of said, into this bigger thing and this more prosperous thing. Right. It's a big boom in businesses. And I think the more coffee shops that grow here, I think the better that you, it can just bring people in together to do that shit. And, But, you know, in, in the entertainment industry, you see it all the time because, you know, 
when you start making movies here in Texas, a lot of the filmmakers leave and they go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a huge filmmaker from here, uh, Alfonso Gomez Rejon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's worked on like some of the biggest shows on television. Definitely. And it's like, you know, and what's very interesting, and like this is sort of where I've come to and all of this midlife revolution. <laughs> That's a new one. That's a new one. It. Exactly. <laughs> and it was that the idea of living by default was something that I never was aware of until later in life. Right. It's like, how do you, how do you learn to live by design when you're not taught that from when you're a kid? Right. Like no one teaches, like, at least in my family, like, Hey, we're going to talk about living by design and not default. Right. When, a, and learning that through this 30 year walkabout, it's like, Hey, this is really possible. And to reiterate and reinforce what you were saying about like coffee shops is that the behavior and pers- and the prism that I would look at Laredo with was mirroring, right? I was mirroring behavior. I was like, oh yeah, Laredo's this, because that was my perspective of Laredo. Right. But I was like, I'm just going to mirror what I think it is. But once I started participating, I realized, oh, there's only really two types of behavior, right? Mirroring behavior, right? You do what people do to you, or modeling behavior, right? Where you build, right? When you start building, like, with clay and communities and you're like, Hey, I'm going to build this and this relationship. So when you and I were talking about the podcast, I was like, wait, there's an opportunity to participate on a podcast that I don't have to produce. I don't have to push record. I don't have to monitor. I don't like, I can actually just enjoy being a guest. Like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Like in Laredo. Oh my God. This is like, I was not expecting to be here today. So being here today was actually like a really great opportunity. And I'm really grateful to be here. Thank we're you. glad to have you guys. We're so grateful to have you. I think it's the same thing too, where like as us that created the podcast, especially lately, Kevin, I don't know about you, but I was telling my mom to listen to the Mucho Pop episode and it was so sentimental to not only one, <laughs> have a Latina mother be like, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you're doing and you're helping so many people, but also being a creative who like Gus says, or who says it's not, we don't have to find it. We're it. Right. Yeah. And I Can think that it. that was just an idea that we thought of for a long time. And it hasn't hit me yet, I guess, until this emotional moment right now. Like, we did it. It was just an idea. It was just, like, something we spitballed that we'd be at the McAllen Anime Con. And look at it. That's, like, five episodes ago. Yeah. So I think it's really cool that what we've done. And I can't wait to continue this project and continue to meet people like Goose and bring everybody on here to to create this platform, to share this platform that collectively as a community, we've been building for a long time. So Laredo built all of us. And in building yeah. all of us, we were able to create this stage. And we are just helping it grow even more to make more people like us. And that's the thing I really want uh, to be the main, uh, I guess, contributing factor of me just making more art or at least, at least you know, showcasing folks like yourself, yeah. Goose. It's, it's hard as well. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna say, fuck. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. <laughs> After learning what assimilation was, yeah, and learning what, why people called me Gus in San Marcos, you know, and like I reconciled with all of that because I um, I purposely put an umlaut in my name mm-hmm. so that when people see the umlaut in my first name, 
if you want to know how to pronounce an umlaut, it will be like goose, <laughs> tavo, right? But that's why I have an umlaut on my hat, right? Yeah, right. Goose talks. Because people will be like, oh, Gus talks. I'm like, no, no, no. There's an umlaut in there. It's, it's goose <laughs> No, talks. sir. Exactly. No, sir. <laughs> but, you know, goose talks is my microphone public, you know, it's my, my name for when yeah. I'm on the mic. So, but what I've come to accept and even encourage is that a lot of people from Texas call me Gus just because it's more of a Southern draw, like long <laughs> vowels are here, like, you know, but culturally my brain is so used to hearing my mother call me Goose because in Spanish it's pronounced Gustavo, wow. right? So then I took that and I was like, then I watched Top Gun. I'm like, I'm Goose, y'all, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but in New York, it, like, it was always goose, right? Because like that whole vernacular in New York, you have shorter vowels, people are more efficient with language. So it's like, hey, you're goose. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, all right. Like the bird? I'm like, yeah, like the bird. Two O's. <laughs> but for merch, it's the umlaut. There we go. <laughs> so what I tell people is like, Gus, goose, Gustavo, ghost, whatever. As long as you say it with love, it's cool. I love that. Well, goose, where can the people find you? I mean, we didn't really get to get into the nitty gritty of what your podcast is. But if you'd like to share something with the listeners about you, where to find you, a little bit about what the media that you're creating out in LA slash Laredo now, let them know. <laughs> the, you can find me on, anywhere on the internet at stebnershow.com or step, at Stebner Show. All my social media platforms are at Stebner Show. My website is stebnershow.com. And if you want to go like old school and send an email, it sounds like a sentence, right? It's really good. It's really good at parties, but very confusing on the phone. So it's look at stebnershow.com is my email. So that's look, the at, the, uh, at symbol, stebnershow.com. Period. So my, even my email is a call to action. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yo, yeah. look at stebnershow.com, right? So that's where you can find me. And the stuff that I like to create is... You know, you know, Guillermo del Toro said, don't make movies that you already seen, right? Make movies that would not exist if you didn't make them, right? Right. So I think that in my youth, when I was in my early 20s trying to make movies, I was just regurgitating everything that I already seen mm -hmm. subconsciously and spitting it back out, right? And anything like under 30 you're, that you're creating, it's really like work that you're learning to put together, right? Because you've only been an adult for like 10 years, right? <laughs> you know, but after 30, when you've experienced some hardship, heartbreak, or even death, it's, I think you really have something to say. Right. Right. And then after 45, after 40, you're like, oh, let me, <laughs> let me say something before I go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm on my way out. But, um, so now, the reason I started my podcast was because I was going through a very emotional breakthrough with someone that I lived with and we were making some living arrangements that were very thought provoking and very uncomfortable. Right. And I had to give up one of my bedrooms to accommodate to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that moment I was like, Oh, I hate this whole experience. Like, <laughs> That's mis cosas. No me toquen mis cosas, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and what ended up happening was I moved my whole office into the living room. And then, like, when I was putting things back together, I was like, oh, I have an audio recorder. Let me just put that here in the middle. I have all these microphones. And then I just started kind of, I was like, oh, test, test, one, two. And then I started recording different episodes, like, just for funsies. Yeah. 
And I was like, wait a second. I'm like, oh, I mean, I've worked on other people's podcasts. Maybe I could do a podcast. So I started really just like putting stuff out. And I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. Like, so I started like auditioning for myself. I was like, so I started sending things blindly to people. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, would you listen to this? And I would send them a recording and they're like, yeah, this is cool. Is that you? I'm like, yeah, that's me. They're like, fuck, no, it's not you. I'm like, yeah, it is. Are you catfishing me? Are you catfishing me? I'm like, no. (laughs) And then sure enough, I started to realize, wow, not only am I good at recording a podcast, I'm also good at the follow through of putting it out. Mm -hmm. Right? Because, you know, I'm so conditioned to work in big television networks and studios that delivering content is so natural for me. And so when I started actually figuring out that I could do all the tech part, I was like, okay, tech part is done, complete. Now, what do I really have to say? Mm-hmm. And in that moment of like figuring out my new living arrangements, I discovered that sometimes you can't make, you can't make movies every day. One, because it takes a lot of money. Two, it's a collaborative effort. Yep. You need a team. But with, it, it actually went back to that, San Antonio College, like community college, (laughs) rainbow treasure discovery. It was like, oh, my whole career as an adult, I've been working in film and in television. But I never really worked in radio. Like I was on the radio at KSYM, right? I was a DJ there. But in my efforts in the last 10 years, like I've not put any effort into the radio format. It's always been visual. Yeah. So it just felt like, Maybe I could just get on a mic. And then we started recording, started putting out episodes, and people started asking me, what's your episode? What's your podcast about? I was like, I don't know. I'm just talking to people. And then finally it started (laughs) clicking. I was like, holy shit. Okay. And this is what I came up with. My podcast is called Stepner Show. And it's how we balance a well-examined life using creativity. Sometimes that I could be talking to entertainers, or entrepreneurs, or a parent, you know, because mm-hmm. to do anything, you need creativity, you need innovation, you need ingenuity, you know, you need to figure out, like, if you need to change a tire, like, how do you do it? Right? You need to, there's technical things, but yeah. creatively, like, how would you do it? I think in Mexico, they call it mania, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so what I started, what I really, the, what, what the discovery that I made was, I love to learn from other people. And sometimes people learn from me. So if I can encapsulate these episodes, these recordings, and throw them out there, then maybe a listener that I never met can learn from the both of us. Mm-hmm. And that's when it felt there was merit in this, in, this, in, in this endeavor. Because I felt like, oh, if this can actually make the world a better place, even if it's for one person, let's do it. Yeah. And that's why we started moving forward with Stepner Show. But when I listened to your episode about Saludos, yo, I loved it because like one, I didn't know there was a brewery company. I was like, what? In Laredo? Fucking beer? I'm like, I think we have like three. <laughs> I was like, yo, I know people like to drink here, but damn, like somebody got smart and was like, yo, let's do our let's own brewery. Let's make our own. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, yo, I didn't know that there was a brewing company here that was popular like that. But one thing that I loved about that episode is that you guys go into the field. I do that too. So like... I love the sound of chaos and helicopters. Oh, I was so <laughs> like, nervous. No, about that shit's fire. That shit is awesome. Like, <laughs> like I love like because it's it, it really feels like real like um 
like a real experience. It's very immersive. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> so when you got, when I started listening to your episode, I was like, oh my God, wait, hold on. This person does calligraphy. I was like, wait, who is this person? I was like, oh shit, I'm already following that girl. <laughs> you know, so I was like, okay. The radar just got a lot smaller this week. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. so what I loved about your episode was that it was very entertaining. It was very informative, but it has style. Oh. You know, and I was like, mm, like <laughs> I could get down with this because like, you know, because that's how I like to sound. When I'm doing stuff, so I was. I'm glad you're saying that about that episode because I feel like we got fucking drunk on that one. We, <laughs> we were just fucking loud. I was. I was fucking loud. I was yelling into the mic. I'm glad that limiter was. That limiter was working overtime. <laughs> going my yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for that. Oh, thank and you. The thank you so much. Seeing us, all of it. Oh no, thank you for having me and putting me on. <laughs> And if anything, we actually, we're hitting our mark here already Absolutely. at an hour and a half. Uh, so thank you so much. And again, one more time, just where can they find you? At Stebner Show. At Stebner Show. Twitter, at Stebner Show. Instagram, at Stebner Show. It's the same thing all across all digital platforms. Perfect. And this and- is us manifesting a Los Angeles show soon. Whether Yay! it's live, whether it's at Goose's house. Bitch, we're going to LA. Hell yeah, come. <laughs> Yeah, ma'am, we're going to LA. <laughs> the politically correct version. <laughs> Teacher, we're going to LA. <laughs> I wanted to provide one quick definition for those of our listeners that are not Spanish speaking and don't know what maña is. Um, I'm, I'm sure we had other words in there, but in so, case we missed them, please drop them in the comments or in the questions. We'll definitely provide that info for you. So it's just a way of being like silly things. Um, yes, so it's a, Silly things and a way of being. So mannerisms and just funny habits. Being quirky. And it comes from the word mano. Yes. So yeah, follow us on uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, even though Twitter is fucking breaking down and it's a dumpster fire right now. You can still (laughs) fucking follow us there if you guys want to. We know Laredo Twitter goes off. Y'all keep it alive. (laughs) At Borderlandia.tx. Nice. And we'll see you guys in the next week's episode. Adios. Ciao.